We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. Stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other. Hold up each other's arms and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army. So we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go bride! Our soon coming king awaits. This is a WATV disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Good morning, Bride. Good morning. Welcome to We Are the Bride Church. You know, Brock, we're just so honored that we're even considered to be the bride. I know, right? I mean, that Jesus, you know, gave his life for us. And we would just cannot forget that in any service that we do, that we always put Jesus first because he is worthy of it all. Amen, Brian. I know, and we got a big guy. We got a big group here today. Yay! We're very excited to be back on campus today. You know, we just got back from Washington, D.C., so. Here we are, so. I'm hoping because we have more people, it'll be more interactive. Yeah. Uh, we are watching your questions, okay? So everyone that is joining live and everyone here in person, I hope that this is one of them things that the Spirit of the Lord will walk all of us through uh, corporate understanding. Make sure everybody here is has some things settled, okay? So you want to just lead us in prayer and lead us in worship and just let's all, if you're home, this is a good time to just set everything aside. Yes, Lord. Eat your eggs. <laughs> if you're home, I guess you can eat eggs and bacon while you watch us. But try not to be distracted right now and join in and seeking God with us. Okay? You know, eliminate distractions. Well, we just want to say, too, that we fully recognize the church is not just in here. But our church family is out there. We are, y'all are our extended family. And we just want to say with all the things that's happening today with the White House and with everything all over the nation that the Lord has a plan for every last one of us. And it's awesome that we can all even still gather together, even online, even in person, because now we know that what brought 22 states are locked down now. So it's like, (laughs) it's like you can just see the clock ticking, you know. But the good thing is, is that God has a plan for us in the middle of all this. He really does. does. So I just feel led. Everybody's saying we're going to sing 
what a day that will be. Because that is what we have to look forward to, Bride, is heaven. We all know this home that we're in right now is nothing but temporal. We're going to a heavenly place. What a day that will be when our Jesus we will see as we look upon his face the one who saves us by his grace down on our knees is where i want to be what a day glorious day that will be surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Let's sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Y'all sing when we've been there. When we've I just wanted to tell you, Brian, there's many of you that are elderly that are watching right now, and you've been very nervous about the vaccine coming and a lot of you that have parents that are in nursing homes the lord wants you to know this morning that he is with you he will never leave you or forsake you so don't fear when the devil is trying to cause people to fear the lord wants you to know he loves you god's grace then when we You know what y'all I think about when we was reading that scripture yesterday in Daniel you know when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was put in the fire when they was put in the fiery furnace you know Jesus was with them in that fiery furnace we know that God is going to be with us whenever our time comes whenever whatever happens the Lord is going to be with us so let's sing this song um I exalt thee, 
Let us be singing this that day. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. Oh Lord. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. Above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the Thou art exalted far above all God. Now sing it with all that's in you, Brian. For I exalt thee. Yes, we do, Lord. I exalt I exalt Thee, O Lord. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. I. I'm going to have Miss Dee Dee sing y'all a song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to We love 
to pray for Yana. I just felt that right back there. We need to pray for Yana's father. Lord, we just come together in agreement right now for Yana and her family, Steve, and Yana's father. Lord, we just pray and proclaim healing over him right now from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. No weapon formed against that family shall prosper. All them that rise up against them shall fall. No spell, incantation, or curse shall come nigh their dwelling. Lord, as the brothers and sisters in Christ today, Lord, we surround them with love, Lord. We thank you, God, that there is more that's for them that's against them, Lord. We pray a host of angels would go and encamp about that house, Lord. Thank you, God, for taking them to the destiny, Lord, that you have for them. And we lay them at the foot of the cross this morning, Lord, coming together in agreement because your word says when two or three agree is touching anything, that that prayer will be answered, Lord. And we know, God, that you are on the throne listening to the prayers of the righteous man, Lord. So we thank you and give you praise for healing him and being with that family. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for everybody watching this broadcast, Lord. We pray, God, against all anxiety. We come against depression and oppression right now in the name of Jesus. We come against that spirit of fear, that spirit of death. In the name of Jesus, that hopelessness, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you have called us for such a time as this. You have equipped us for such a time as this, Lord. I thank you that we have hope, Lord. I thank you, God, that we do have more that's for us than against us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we're the head and not the tail, Lord. I thank you, God, that we're a royal priesthood and a holy nation, Lord. I thank you, God, that we're in the army of the living. God and Lord I thank you that today Lord that we will be the light that the world needs to see in this hour Lord that they will not see us hopeless but they will see us full of hope knowing that we're this much closer to being with you Lord we worship and praise your holy name Lord we pray for every home out there Lord that the scales would come off their eyes Lord that people would be able to see the truth in this hour Lord that they will not be uh, blinded to what's happening right now the name in this word about the Noahide laws in Jesus and Lord we pray you anoint him for from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Thank you, Lord, for using him to deliver the word today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Miss Dee. Thank you. Here you go, Brock. Thank you, Brock. We are continuing with Noahide week. And Brock has an awesome sermon that God has laid on his heart for you. God bless. I forgot about the tithes. If people want to tithe, they tell them where they can go, well, moderators, if you don't mind, please put on there where people can donate if they want to. We appreciate it. I hope guys that have followed us know that when you donate to us, 
You know, we, <laughs> there's a lot of things to do. When it comes to money, I'm not afraid to tell you that it takes money to do a lot of what we do. It takes a lot to donate to go to Washington, D.C. It takes a lot to uh, you know, maintain a studio and to make sure that we're doing things with excellence. Now, it's going to continue more and more with excellence. Um, so, God any, is sending us help. you have any questions, <laughs> you guys can ask us any questions you want. And um, we're about as transparent as it gets. There's, <laughs> we're a glass house. So we, uh, you can see through every quote unquote wall. There, we don't have any walls. Everything's glass. Everything's see through here. So you come here, you're gonna get us as human as it gets. Right. Well, welcome everybody. Everybody here. Man, y'all look good. They do. They look so beautiful. You know, y'all didn't look this good before the presence of the Lord was in here. You know that? He made all y'all. He made all y'all look better. I'm just kidding, but you know you can sense yeah. you can sense it on people, you know, guys. Everyone knows that that the words countenance and the aura about you these days, and people, you know, these days will say you have an energy about you, you have an aura. There's a presence about you. In King James, it would say you, their countenance. You know, Moses came down from Mount Sinai a couple of times. <laughs> And his countenance was so bright, people had to, they had to put a veil over Moses. They had to get away from the light because he was up in the mountain with Jesus, with unveiled glory. That means that light shining that actually pierces every cell and atom in your body. He was up there for basically 80 days. He came down, this dude fasted water and food for 40 days, came down. Here were the Israelites sacrificing and worshiping a golden calf. Are you serious? You know what I mean? Like they just already was worshiping a calf. He got ticked off, broke everything he did. I mean, I know y'all don't get mad like that, but Moses was like, are you guys kidding me? I just went up there fast without water and without food. 40 days. I got this law here and I don't care anymore. He broke them. And he said, you know what? I'm going back up there for another 40 days. Who in their right mind does that? But you got to understand, when you're in his presence, man, you know, golly, I'm already crying. <laughs> Don't look at me when I'm crying. Look over there. I'm just <laughs> but guys, when you're in his presence, it does do something to your countenance. Now, those who walk with Jesus, the whole idea of being a Christian is to have God's spirit living in you. All right. We've been asking the question, how will people know that you have the vaccine? Right? There has to be something to know you have that vaccine. All right? So they're talking about these different little, you know, luciferous little things they can put on you where they can scan it. You know, there's all, all these different theories out there. But right now, the vaccines have something that they can actually scan. We also know that just the flu shots, we saw a leaked video where they were meeting and this, uh, this guy who does vaccines was meeting with the top payout people for the DOD, Department of Defense. And he was telling them that we have satellites that can actually see those who have the flu shots and vaccines. We can see from satellites. This is before this vaccine. So whatever's in the vaccines prior has had something that they can sense from or see from satellites. So it's not just that, but what's his name? Elon Musk is launching a global 
satellite thing it's not just in above the atmosphere they would say where all the other satellites are now he's got satellites that are below these satellites quote unquote will replace all of your dish tv direct tv and all these different people that are out there you know hughes net and all these big companies it's going to actually be the part of the great reset because guess what you can have internet when you live in the woods if you're trying to be off grid don't don't worry anymore if you're off the grid if you're away from society don't worry we can now see you and see everything and you can have internet directly above you and it's faster than all those others so now you don't have to have someone run wires to you you can get internet directly from the sky above you which is good news to some people i guess on the surface level but the bad news is ain't nowhere you can go where they cannot be completely surveying and monitoring and hearing and seeing what you're doing so i say all that to say this how does someone know you're a christian okay they should be able to see it someone should be able to walk up to you and say man there's something about you there's an energy there's a countenance there's an aura about you and it looks like out of this world okay so what i'm going to talk to you today is really it's the noahide week but i feel impressed that the lord wants to talk to us about what you know everything you look at noahide laws right everything you look at everything we're talking about with the mark of the beast and the beast system and all the noahide and all the un and all the stuff we talk about in the news what is the proper perspective well we're in christ everything that we see in our life is supposed to go through a filter of jesus christ himself because looking at jesus is looking at a mirror you're seeing yourself but you're seeing him so seeing him you see yourself when you see him you see where yourself isn't in other words you've only died to yourself so much but there's a lot of jesus that you have not yet made the choice to die to yourself renew your mind and walk in who he is in you now the things in your life that still look like flesh still look selfish still look like sin still look like all this other stuff the stuff that we try to consciously deal with all the time in our life and come to god lord i'm so sorry i repent for this i repent for that all these things in reality are things that still need to be put to death okay that's the process of denying yourself taking up your cross right being renewed being conformed into the image of jesus right that's our reasonable service our worship is offering our body a living sacrifice now sacrifice is killed okay like literally they they slit the throat they kill it you know what i mean and the blood drains out of it and they cook it and they eat it so that's the judaism religion you know it's weird that they don't do that still hmm i wonder why they don't do that in israel well they just did last year yeah they're starting to right yeah because you know last time i read you know the torah i know it said that forever this is a law forever the hebrew word is olam olam which means forever it means you will do these priestly sacrifices forever but they're not doing it it's interesting so i mean i know that anyways you know you would think that they'd still be doing that so that's not what i'm trying to talk about but jesus now turn in your bibles matthew we're going to go to Matthew. There's a few places we're going to go, but Matthew 15 first. We're going to look at what how Jesus interacted with what we would call now Noahide laws. Now I'm going to try to 
give everybody a very simple, basic outline here on the board of what the no-hide laws are and what was it like in Jesus' day. Now, and then all that should give us an example of what it should be like for us today because Jesus is our example. Were the Noahide laws, you know, called Noahide laws back then? No, technically not. Now, back in the Babylonian time, when we have our first written, uh, written, collected written Talmud, the traditions of the rabbis, okay? So we're going to go talk back about this, and hopefully I'll make it simple, and maybe we'll make this very, very, very simple. But we're going to read this, and then I'm going to kind of give everybody, if I can help everybody get on the same page about this, it'd be amazing. It'd be the miracle of the day, right? Like, awesome. So we're going to try to make it simple. If we can make everything simple, man, it'd be awesome. I just want to let you know we actually have a viewer from Israel. Amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Shalom. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 15, guys. We're going to look at how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? So you have in Israel, you have the religion now we would call Judaism. All right, so it goes back to the God, you know, Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, okay, called the Torah. In this Torah, you know, it goes back and details the creation. It details Adam and Eve. Enoch, it goes into Noah. Okay, Noah's Ark, everyone knows Noah. And then from Noah, it skips to Abraham, Abraham's covenant with God. And then it's his son Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, okay? Those are the 12 tribes of Israel. Out of that came Joseph, the youngest. Okay, and he had his two sons, you know. And then all of these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And then these 12 tribes of Israel came out of Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years. Then they come to the Jordan River to enter into this promised land that was promised to them to Abraham. In this land is called Israel, Canaan. Okay? This land is where it's the land of promises. Okay? It's the promised land. Okay? Here, they, they go in, they, they you know, basically go to war and kill all the ites. The Hittites, Canaanites, ites, ites, all the ites. They go in and they eliminate all the ites. Okay? It's funny because that's kind of what people are talking about how America did. They came in and eliminated and Britain. All these countries who colonized the world went out and most of them were the white European and eliminated all of the different peoples or indigenous people of these different places. India, Africa, I mean, Lord, <laughs> all over the world, colonized, and everybody, when they went in, eradicated and sold them for slaves. This, guys, has been happening since the beginning of time. Every civilization that you know of today killed another civilization to be there. Okay? So in education, they will make sure that everyone feels that America is evil. Now, all nations in its core are, have, been, have originated and every human that ran them have all originated and born in sin. There is an issue. It's called sin. It is a disease. It is like actually the most horrible pandemic of all time. Right. Amen. Very infectious. That is a good one. So if y'all want to go into later on, I hope to cover a few of the strategies of Satan. Since the beginning of time, he's had everybody wearing masks. 
And you're about to see Jesus called him out. He said, all your pandemic schemes ain't going to work on me. Jesus told him, take your mask off. Call them hypocrites. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Now, we're going to talk about that. Now, Matthew 15 is amazing, guys, but I'm telling you, this will apply to every area of your life. This one little passage right here is how you put the Noahide laws in context. That's how you put the pandemics of our days <laughs> in context. This is how COVID-19, COVID-21, the next one coming, rumor. I don't know that for sure. But uh, pandemic number two, you know, human 2.0, all of the great reset from the World Economic Forum where they're talking about you will own nothing, but you'll be so happy because socialism rears its head up in different forms. Satan has used this from the beginning. Israel wanted a king like the other Gentiles or the other people. We want a government like the other. Satan has always tried to outrule the plans of God by giving control to men. Why? Because Satan has control through men. So we our wrestle, our fight is not with flesh and blood, you know, but it's against principalities, against Satan. It's against the kingdom that is out there trying to array itself against God and his purposes. Okay? God on the earth, God uses men. Satan on the earth uses men. Okay, so there are actual shadow governments, but it's not the typical shadow governments you hear about. The shadow government is spiritual. The shadow governments, the things behind the scenes, is a spiritual warfare that we are all waging, whether you like to think you are or not. Today is a wake-up call. And let's see what Jesus said, because really there is a war going on. Now, everyone listening, it's, it's going to get good. Now, I'm trying to make sure that we get this Noahide week, the Noahide laws, the Noahide movement, all in proper context through the person of Jesus and through people who are now new creations after Jesus died on the cross. So everything in the Bible is before Jesus, like the crucifixion of Jesus, and then everything else is after. That's the main theme of that Bible. It's before Jesus died on the cross and then after, okay? So I hope I laid a little bit of foundation. If you're keeping up with me, good. Matthew 15. All right, this is going to get good, so get ready. Matthew chapter 15, right at verse 1. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees. Scribes were attorneys in those days. Scribes were the one who study the law, the letter of it. I mean, study the letter of the law, just like an attorney would today. They study the law. They interpret the law, and they teach the law. And they actually are used to stand in the gap to, you know, plead the law on someone's behalf, right? That's what scribes and attorneys are. So all the attorneys from the government of that day, religion, Israel had a government, and it was broken up into a few different things. So you had Herod as a king, okay, quote-unquote. Above Herod was, I would write all this down, but I'll be erasing everything I talk. At the top was the Roman government. You had Caesar. Okay, Caesar conquered all of Israel. Okay, he conquered all of the known world at the time. If you can picture in your mind the Mediterranean Sea, all of the lands around the Mediterranean Sea, if y'all go back and look at a map, Rome conquered a lot. Okay, now Rome conquered everything. Israel was an occupied nation, they had been defeated by Rome and now occupied. Okay, y'all remember Pilate who put to death Jesus? So just to give you a quick little summary, they had 
local government set up in all of their occupation, all their territories. So King Herod, all right, and Herod had a governmental, like a presidential cabinet, like we would call it, to the president called the Herodians. The Herodians was his cabinet, basically. That was his governmental little thing right here. And then you had um, the Jewish religion. The Jewish religion was, was basically what we are going to read about here. It was the religious organization head. If I think about the Pope, think about all his cardinals and all the bishops that have a council, okay? The Judaism or Jewish religion, the Hebrew religion, at this time had formed into you had a high priest, okay? Now you had a Sanhedrin, one person over the Sanhedrin. You had a council of 71 rabbis, okay? I hope you all follow me, all right? So basically you had the political, the, the Herod, and all of his Herodians. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Yeah. And then you had over here the religion, okay? So the religion was actually what was the shadow influence. It was the influence behind all the governments. This Sanhedrin was the judge. It was a council. It was a Supreme Court that was basically saying God has put us in place to be a Supreme Court for the nations, for the world. They were the light in the darkness. They were the, Jesus called the blind leading the blind. That's what Jesus said. So let's just look. I wanted y'all to get a little picture of that, but here's the deal. That Sanhedrin, 71 people, was split up by Pharisees and Sadducees. So sad, you see. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> right? So the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You had the Herodians and you had the scribes. So you had all the attorneys and you had all the Pharisees. Pharisees were like, you're going to read this. The Pharisees were in the Sadducees and even the scribes were rabbis. Rabbis could only be ordained, you see, by the Sanhedrin. Okay, so all the rabbis of the day, everything teaching everything, the Moses Torah was all through the Sanhedrin. All right, is Siri listening to us? Yes, you need to turn her off. <laughs> all right, so that gives you a little bit of heads up. So then came Jesus. All right, so the, here comes to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, okay, which were of Jerusalem. So they're coming from the Sanhedrin, they're coming from the Council of Religion. Now, Jesus. <laughs> this whole time, has been all around Israel preaching the gospel. Matthew, this is in the Bible, okay? Matthew 4 says he went around preaching in all the synagogue, or preaching the gospel of the kingdom, telling everybody to repent, that the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's at hand. And he was then healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. And everywhere he went, not just on the Sabbath days, but everywhere he went, he stopped at the synagogues and went in there and, teach, and taught in the synagogues. And every Sabbath he stopped in the synagogues. I mean, he did daily this, preaching, teaching, and healing all manner of sickness and disease all over. He, these people were so mad at him for breaking all the Sabbaths, for healing on the Sabbath, for disturbing their feast days when they want everybody to fall and pay all their monies and tributes. This Jesus built a whip, went into the temple when they were all making a lot of money, you know, bankrolling the Sanhedrin. And he kicked over all their tables, kicked them out, said, get out of here. My house is not to be, and basically it said my house should be called a, not a den of robbers. Okay, he called them all robbers, thieves. He says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. Listen right here. 
Verse 2. So here come the, the attorneys. Here come the Pharisees from the Sanhedrin of Jerusalem saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Now, what we're going to do real quick, I'm just going to do a little, I hope everybody can see that. Okay, good. So right here, oh, don't tell me Catalina ruined this. This is what happens when your baby girl gets it and puts it in her mouth. All right, Catalina, I love you, girl. Let's try it again. So right here you have, a, we're going to do a line graph, okay? You have Adam, okay? And then you have Noah, okay? Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but then we're gonna skip over to Egypt. We're gonna do Moses, okay? And we're gonna call this time here the wilderness time, right? And we'll just call this Joshua and the land of Israel, right? And then all this time you go in, here you have John the Baptist, John B, and you have Jesus. Three and a half laters, we're going to call it the cross. Okay? After all this, you have, you know, let's just say the birth of the church, a day of Pentecost. Okay. And then all of this, you have the Apostle Paul and all the Gentile church all the way to now okay all right i know y'all can't read that on there but i want to give you an, a linear graph let's get this jesus goes this is why did your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders the tradition of the elders here comes moses we're going to call this the mount sinai okay moses is up here you see this little guy here that's moses so here's a cloud this is God, the Father. Okay, this is Jesus. He comes in, you know, Jesus, it says an angel, but many times Jesus was showed, you know, spoke as pre-incarnate, as an angel. But here's the deal. He gets the law. Okay? The tradition of the elders is where we get called the oral law. So he had two tablets. Okay? That's the Ten Commandments. And outside of that, he wrote the law, what we would say... The, all the different Levitical and all the feasts and all these, the moral law, he wrote all the law, the written law, the five books of the Bible, the Torah, the Torah five books of Moses. He has the law. So we're going to call this the written law. Okay? And then you have what they call the oral law. Okay? This is about who knows how many thousands and thousands of hand down oral traditions over time. So they say that when he went on Mount Sinai, right here, God gave him the written law and gave him the oral law. They call the written law like the skeleton in the body, just the bones. But if you want the meat and the skin and all the organs, then you gotta get it from the oral law. That making sense? Yeah. Okay, so the tradition of the elders started right here right at the Mount Sinai. So ever since then, all of Israel went by the Torah. Proverbs, you know, the book of Psalms, David and his son Solomon says, thy word is a lamp unto my soul. It's a light unto my path. He called this the word, Torah. He was not talking about the oral law, but the traditions. You can come in over here, baby. 
Okay. <laughs> say hello. Say hi to everybody. Say hello to Laura. <laughs> there you go. All right. So these guys want to know why are you breaking the tradition of the elders? They call this here. You'll hear people say the Talmud. Okay. The Talmud. They call this the Mishnah. Now, I'm not going to get into detail, nor am I the Jewish Hebrew expert, okay? But I have done my years of study, went to Bible college, and I'm, this, is what, this is about as simple as I can make it. So you have the written law and the oral. Okay, now, they're coming to him and says, why are you teaching your disciples to transgress all of our written oral laws? Why are you doing this? Oh, this is good, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we get the Noahide laws. In these oral laws, so you have Ten Commandments, and before that, you had everything in the book of Genesis about Adam, Noah, Abraham. All right. So they have their law that in the law says Sabbath or, you know, this law. These are signs for Israel. They teach now that this is only for the Jewish people, the Torah. Okay. And so is the oral law. But if you're not a Jew or Hebrew, Okay, then you're a Gentile. So either a Jew or a Gentile. And Gentiles, to have a universal world of peace and civil and everything, they say like all the laws that apply to the world are the laws that Noah gave. Now, did Noah give seven laws, the Noahide laws? No, he didn't. He only gave three or so. But if you talk to these guys, the rabbis, who go back into Genesis and interpret everything, they will tell you there are seven laws that, that was before Moses. Because it was before Moses, it's universal. So what they have done, the oral law, is where we get the Noahide laws. They have interpreted this Torah and say, listen, we don't want the world to have what we have of this laws called the Noahide laws okay that is before Moses everybody gets that right so it's universal it's for everybody it's Genesis right these are things that apply to everybody now the problem is is that you see all these volumes of the Talmud all these generations of passed down now they had a lot of them written the first ones we have written mainly is the Babylonian. So when all of the Israel got taken, destroyed the temple and took into Babylon, they started writing down all of these oral traditions. So from Babylon today, that's a lot like thousands of years, you know what I mean? All of those thousands of years is written in all of this. So thousands of oral interpretations of the written law. Now, <clears throat> I want to make sure everybody gets that. Now, verse 2 Matthew 15, 2. Now we're going to get in the Word. Why do thy disciples transgress the, tra the, the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Is that in the Torah? Hmm. Let's see. I don't think it's in the Torah. Anybody know? Somebody's asking uh, Moses whenever he received the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And he, they said that didn't God give him all the other 613 didn't Moses write them all down? He wrote all... See, here's the thing about that. And where does that play? Okay, so he got the Ten Commandments, but he also got the, the Levitical, all with the priests. The priests who sacrifice and go to God and go into the temple, he got a bunch of laws that God said for them to do. 
And then he had the civil, which is for all the government. This is how Israel as a nation is going to be ran. Here's our government, okay? We're going to do this. We're going to meet on these days and have these feasts. We're going to have these Sabbaths. On these feasts, we'll have a Sabbath before and after. And all these civil, you have the, like, the laws, like straight up governmental laws. And then they had, here's how we're going to worship all the Levites, this whole, from Aaron, all these priests are going to do this, this, and this. And then here's the righteousness that you all are going to live, the righteousness of the law, which is in Christ. Christ is the one who fulfilled that. He's the only one. He's the only one to actually live a human life and fulfill every righteous requirement of that law. Okay? That's why we died ourselves and He died, so that we can be in Christ and walk in His righteousness that He did and He performed. That righteousness now... His blood covers us. Anyways, basically, you have all these laws. He read it down. But these guys, the rabbis and the oral, the argument is, is well, which one of those? Because they say there's 613 commandments. Well, other rabbis are like, well, how do you, which one of these commandments apply? Okay, what about the commandments he said to certain people in the Torah? Moses, you should do this. Is that a commandment that applies to everyone? You see, this is the interpret. In all the debate of interpreting all those commandments. Some say 613, some say more, some say less. You see, it's all right here. He did give us the written law, and it's all in there, and you guys can read it in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But is there 613? It's still debatable here. You see? Because all of this is just a bunch of rabbis that are in there interpreting and then people will actually read these and worship these and live their life. Because he could say Ten Commandments, but how do you, for example, keeping the Sabbath, how do you keep the Sabbath? Well, you'll have a hundred laws about how to interpret that for your own life. Well, on the Sabbath day, you can't walk more than so many steps. You know, and the Sabbath day, I mean, we can go down a long list. You know, you're not allowed to leave this and you can't pick up your mat. You know, you can't, when you eat, you need to drink water instead of picking up the cup. I mean, they have all kinds of, you know, wash the outside of the plate, but because it's the Sabbath, you can't wash this. You can't do this. By the time you have to learn like a lot of different ways to actually do the written command. You see how it, now let's just go in and see what Jesus says here. Okay. So they're like, well, here's an example. Jesus, your disciples are not washing their hands when they eat bread. That's one of our laws. That is one of the rabbis said that's important. That's how we interpret this. But look what Jesus says. Verse 3, he says, But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Wow. All right, Jesus. All right, here we go. He says, You are transgressing the written law because of all of your traditions. Y'all see that? I hope everybody can see that in there. Okay, verse 4, it says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. Let him be killed. Look, if you cursed your mom and dad, you died. You had very well-behaved kids back then. That's right, Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see? So this is the written law. That was a civil law. That was written. Very simple. Keeping it simple, silly, right? Jesus is like, dude, you guys made everything complicated, and that is the plan of Satan is to make everything that is written complicated so that you get so bogged down about, how do I do this? How do I do this? Well, he says this, but then you get all 
these preachers getting up there even today. And we're going to cover that here in a bit. We're going to talk about traditions. All right. So honor that. He says, this is the death you're supposed to do. But you say, now he's saying, the written law says, if you curse your mother and father, you're going to die. Right? But in you, it says, but ye say, you see what he's saying? But you say in all your oral passed down traditions, the Talmud, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Basically, it says honor your father and mother, and you're supposed to support them financially. So they made a tradition with all the rabbis saying, you know what? What you would have gained. God, you should love mercy, not sacrifice, right? Sacrifice means you're doing all of these things as religious duty, but in reality, you have not done mercy. Now, mercy is take care of your mom and dad, right? And that money, support them financially. But instead, these rabbis interpret it and say, you know what? If you take that money, instead of taking care of your parents and call it a gift to the temple, then you don't have to take care of your parents. You see that? You see how the interpretation of a written law gets people doing something that actually makes void the Word of God. Y'all follow me now? I want to make sure that you go slow enough. This is like the foundation before we do anything. Now, so Jesus says, for verse 4, the first phrase, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father. Verse 5, But ye say. So God said this, but you say this. You see what Jesus is doing. Okay. Now verse 6. And he says, very the, the second half of that says, Thus have you not connected. <laughs> All right, everybody. Make sure you can see me. Sorry about that. All right. We're going to do this as long as our internet doesn't get shut down. So hang in there. Verse 7. You hypocrites. Hypocrites is the Greek word... For actors. He said, You're a bunch of actors. You're wearing a mask. In other words, you act like you're keeping the written law, but all you really do actually is keep your traditions. He called him a hypocrite. Listen, he says, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, Now he's quoting the written, he's quoting the prophet now, because you had the law and the prophets. Okay? That was the Old Testament. Verse 8. This people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You see that? So instead of teaching the written law and teaching people how to simply live according to the written word of God, they are a bunch of traditions. A bunch of passed down interpretations of it. Okay, now he goes in and he does all kinds of stuff. And he, it is, but we're going to read it. Let's just go verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, verse 11, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. Verse 12, then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after you... They heard this saying. You want me to get it, baby? Yes. Right, here, go this way, baby. I can't reach it. All right. 
Anyway, as the disciples come to Jesus and they say, didn't you know the Pharisees got offended? Jesus, come on, man, you're offending people. You're telling them, whoa, you offended them. All right, we just stop. let's just take a little time right there. People are so afraid today to offend people. Now, there is a global, a global movement to not offend the Jews. There is an act put out. Man, I can't remember. I got it written down right here, but for the sake of time. It's an act. It's called the Anti-Semitism, something like this, a Global Anti-Semitism Act. It says you can't be anti-Semitic and be racist towards the Jews. Well, that alone, the act itself is racist <laughs> because it's saying, you know, this one race, you cannot say anything against them. But yet that one race can be racist to everyone else. Now that alone, I'm just saying that is called anti-Semitic right now. Because right now in Palestine, you know, Jesus actually told, told basically, he told the Pharisees, you're a bunch of racists. He went to the Samaritans, preached the gospel. And, they, and, and the Samaritans and the Jews, I don't know if y'all know this, but the history of the Jewish, I mean, right now today, it's the most racist people group in the whole world. And it's a fact. I mean, the Palestines, look what they do. The Palestines, everyone else is Gentiles. They're the only ones that are chosen by God. They're the priests. The Noahide laws is actually... The written thing is actually very racist. It says that only the Jews, like the first one is not, you can't have any idols. Only God, their God. Every other religion in the world, okay, is idolatry, including Jesus. Jesus is not a deity. And every person out there, every religion in the world, if you don't worship our God, you get your head cut off. That is the law. That is the, this is, this is what these guys came up in their tradition. It's pretty, pretty wild. Tell me that's not racist. All right, but not only that, you have to accept the fact that the Jews, all right, they are the priests unto God. So not only, you see, not only is, can you only serve their God, but you have to see the only way to their God is through them, through the Jews. They use, and also that scripture that says, I'm not going to get into that. Um, you have to go and look at Steve Danoon, Benoon. Look at his teaching where he says, all these Gentiles will take the coat or they will grab onto the different words, translations, grab onto a Jew, and then they will all say, we're going to come with you and be blessed because God is with you. Actually, that was fulfilled with Jesus. Right. Right. But actually, if you go in and right now, according to that global anti-Semitism act, it is very is right now anti-Semitic for me to say this, Isaiah 15. 53 does not talk about the Jews. It is actually a prophecy about Jesus. Isaiah 53 says he will bear our infirmities and our weaknesses. He, that prophecy is actually anti-Semitic. So me saying that right now, I'm just, I just got tracked and monitored by the NSA as anti-Semitic. Because you can go to the State Department right now. They tracked 1.7 million anti-Semitic messages recently. And they, they tell you they're tracking and monitoring digitally the whole world. And in this whole world, and recently in a little block of time, 1.7 million anti-Semitic messages. So I just did three of them in a row. All right? You see how this works right now. Now, our government, with back in Reagan and Bush, back with Bush, has said that these Noahide laws, this tradition, is how our whole country, our whole country is founded upon the Noahide law principles. Everything in here. And matter of fact, it's, it, it is... Basically, the wording is that they're disgusted that the world is falling away from these global principles. Now, so our government now says that we are 
based upon these Noahide laws. So they're saying we're based upon the oral Talmudic traditions of the Hebrew rabbis. That's what they're saying. Everybody follow me. So that is the Noahide laws, seven laws for the Gentiles. They promote it like here is seven laws that was created in the beginning before Abraham, before Moses. Back in the beginning, there's universal laws that applies to everybody. And this is our solution for world peace. Now, the United Nations is based upon the Noahide laws. There is a Noahide agreement. They signed it. You guys have to look this up. I've got it all here. Later on, when I do a more formal video, I will give you all these proofs, okay? But for the sake of teaching what Jesus did, all of this, the United Nations is based upon all of the SDG, Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations for the Agenda 2030, where the whole world is going. The World Economic Forum is promoting in May all of the new details of the Great Reset. And guess what? This Great Reset is founded upon a one-world religion. Okay, the Pope now has signed himself away to these rabbis. Now the Pope has fallen on the rabbis. Now the Muslims and the rabbis have unity. Abrahamic initiative. Look, peace in the Middle East. All right, we have a one-world religion. Now you got Muslims and Jews all agreeing that we're all saying this is the same God. Why? Because they're agreeing on the beginning universal laws. Now, we ain't got time to go into all the details, but I want to give you, everybody understand a little better? Yeah. All right, good. Yes. So here we are. Here you have the tradition. This is where the UN is saying, you know, all of us, but it, they're tricked. They're thinking that it's all world, you know, animal cruelty is one of the seven laws. You shouldn't be cruel to animals. Well, every vegan loves that, right? Everybody out there loves that. I mean, that is one thing. If you watch Netflix, you will see animal cruelty videos, videos all day long. It's a big push right now because Agenda 2030 is not to be cruel to animals, right? And then the environment. I mean, everything, you know, basically, if you take those seven laws and then they have sub-laws and then sub-laws to those sub-laws and then sub-laws to the sub-laws of the sub-laws, you see? Hundreds of interpretations of what we call the Noahide laws. So, but all those interpretations, Noahide laws are for Gentiles. None of it applies to the Jews. Because the Jews are the blessed ones to have the written law. The word is a lamp to their feet. They lead the blind. They're the light of the world, a royal priesthood. Now, y'all know that when Jesus came, he said, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was the light of the world, and the darkness tried to apprehend Him, but they couldn't. You see what I'm saying? John and the disciples and the Apostle Paul said, Jesus was the Word, and this Word dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Right? And it says that his own didn't receive him. The Jewish Sanhedrin religious, they didn't receive him. But to as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Therefore, you're not held back because Jesus is the word. That written word, the Ten Commandments, all those 613 or whatever, he fulfilled them. He says not one title, not one jittle will pass away until the end of this world. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the word 
and he's eternal. He died once, but now he lives forever unto the Lord as the new high priest, the order of Melchizedek. So he fulfilled the priesthood. He filled the written law, the moral law, and all those feasts Jesus fulfilled. He is Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of all things. In him, listen to this, they say that, you know, basically you go back and read Abraham. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. Right? He, God, swore by himself on this covenant. Swore by himself. He put Abraham to sleep and said, you can't see me. I'm about to walk through this. He, they cut some animals in half, which is kind of wild. And the blood, he walked through that blood. God himself said, I swear by myself that I have a covenant, an eternal covenant with you. He told Abraham to look in heaven, look in heaven, and look at all them stars. That's going to be because with your seed, he says, I will give you your seed. Up there will be your seed. Your, you know, his lineage. He looked in the heaven and he looked on the earth at the sand. Look at the sand. There's your natural lineage. Look in the sky. There's the spiritual, the billions and trillions of stars that he can't even see is going to be the inheritance of your seed. Now, Abraham had two seed, but he, but God spoke to him about singular seed. Jesus Christ was that seed. The promise was to Abraham, but it was to Abraham's seed. The one person, Jesus Christ. I will bless those who bless you, Jesus Christ. I will curse those who curse you, Jesus Christ. I, will, I am your defense. I am your shield. I am God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai, El Adonai. Everything that he said, I am the Lord who heals thee. He says, your seed, I'm promising to your seed that spiritually in heaven you will have all these descendants in your seed jesus christ you have the and paul says you have the earthly zion the earthly israel but jesus said look i am i have fulfilled that so that the promise to abraham was to jesus y'all feel you're following this because of that the apostle paul says in galatians that the blessings of Abraham come on us. He says the, the spirit of promise, the promise of the spirit was the blessings of Abraham. So all these preachers that say all these blessings is just because you can get rich and wealthy and buy a new car and a house and have all this stuff is not 100% accurate. The blessing, now I mean context, you can say that, but in right in the book of Galatians, which I had, which I had time to go through everything and read it to you, it says... The blessing of Abraham is the spirit of promise. So he said, Abraham, one day your descendants are going to be like the stars. You're going to have spiritual heavenly descendants. And look at this. Through Jesus, I'm going to be able to take what Jesus did. Jesus fulfilling all this written law. He's the word. He's the light. He's not a blind leading the blind. He is the fulfillment of everything. And this Jesus, I'm going to be able to take his spirit and put Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going to take that spirit, that blessing of Abraham, that Holy Spirit, Jesus, the fulfillment of everything. I'm going to take him and put him in people. And not just the natural lineage, the sand, but the heavenly lineage. So all the world, the Gentiles as well, now is no longer in Christ. You are a new creation. Circumcision doesn't avail anything. Or uncircumcision. Don't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. 
It don't matter. The only thing that matters now is a new creation. When you die to yourself and repent, turn away from your sins, and only confess that Jesus is your Lord, that from now on you live for Jesus Christ, He takes the Spirit of His Son, the Holy Spirit, and places inside of you and makes you old things pass away. No longer are you a Gentile. Y'all hear me? No longer are you a Jew. No longer are you of the tribe of Benjamin or Manasseh or Judah or any of the Gad or any of those other tribes. Israelites, he said, listen, as soon as you die to yourself, you die to the law, you die to your inheritance, you die to your lineage. Now you're no longer, there's no Jew, there's no Greek. There's no Gentile. You are all one new man in Christ because you're in Christ. Jesus is the man. He's the only one that matters because you and your righteousness stinks. You stink. You're like, the Bible says it, and I'm going to quote it, like menstrual rags. You know, time of the month type stuff? Very nasty. He said, your righteousness is nasty. Your righteousness ain't going to do it. That's Tennessee talk, okay? Listen. You guys, your righteousness, everything you try to do, trying to keep all these laws and try to keep all the interpretations of it, thousands and thousands. That's why in, in Acts 15, when the Jews, or when, all, when Jesus died on the cross, all of those people got saved. And all of a sudden, the Gentiles got saved. Peter went and by a vision. He didn't want to preach to the Gentiles. He wanted to keep it in there. But see, the whole, Jesus told them, the Holy Spirit has, I have a lot of things to teach you, Peter, but you guys won't be able to take it because you grew up in Israel. You're not going to be able to accept this. But the Holy Spirit, when I'm dead, the Holy Spirit will come and He will teach you the things that I can't tell you right now. There's things you can't bear right now. This is uh, John chapter 16. He says, you can't bear them right now, but when He comes, He'll teach you and guide you into all truth. He will show you what I can't tell you now because Jesus came under the law to die in the law for us. All of the traditions, all the written, everything, guys. He came under the law, died, born of the law, and died. Now that Jesus died, He now died to that. Just like if, you, if you're married and your spouse dies, you're no longer bound to that spouse. The spouse dies. You can now marry another. The Apostle Paul taught that Jesus came and died for us. So that he died fulfilling all the law, all the righteousness, all the priesthood. He fulfilled everything. He was the Son of God who came and lived as a man and demonstrated how a Son of God lives. He gave us the example. He is the template, the role model, if you will. Showed us how to do it. And then he died in that law and fulfilled it all by being that one sacrifice that God needed to now say, every one of you on this earth can be my sons now. You see what I'm saying? You can be my sons. And you know what? The same spirit that was in Christ for him to fulfill the righteousness of the law is now inside of you. Now, you can stand before me based upon the righteousness that Jesus had because now in Colossians 3 he says, you have died. And your life is now hidden in Christ. Now you can come boldly to the throne of grace because you now in Christ, in the name, in the place of Jesus, in his, He gave you His Spirit. You have His words. You now are the body of Christ. You are now 
Though you have the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ, his words, everything Christ has, his inheritance, he gave to you. Now you now can walk and act in the name, in the place of Jesus. You're an ambassador for Jesus. You now are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Okay? And all things are of God. He said old things passed away. Everything of your old things. That means now there's traditions that we need to cover now. Let's just see. Let's just keep... I don't want to stop right there, but let's read. Verse 10. He says, hear and understand this. He called the multitude. Jesus was not a sissy, guys. He, sa he said, bring everybody here. Got the whole multitude over there and said, listen, hear and understand. Not that. Now, right in front of the, the attorneys, the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, hey, all you people come here. You too, Pharisees. Come here. Y'all listen to this. I will boldly say to this whole multitude, it's not that which goes into your mouth, the food you eat that defiles a man, but it's that which comes out of your mouth. This defiles a man. Then came his disciples and said, Jesus, dude, you offended all of them. Come on. You offended the, the Pharisees. But 13 says, but he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. He said, them Pharisees, if they ain't planted by my father, they're going to get rooted up. Listen to this. And he says, let them on. Leave them alone. And he says, listen, you know, he made a very good point there. I'm going to speak the truth and don't worry about them. Leave them alone. They're offended. Let them be offended. They be, King James, they are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So you got to understand, Jesus is talking about these traditions. This is the Noahide law that the United Nations says is for the whole universe. Right. They, they pledged allegiance to the Noahide laws. The United Nations, which our government did too. And matter of fact, all of our stuff, our communications, our transportation, our infrastructure and everything has been placed over to Jared Kushner, which is a Talmudic oral tradition, worshiping, let's see here, what do you say? Uh, blind leaders of the blind. So the blind leaders that Jesus talked to are the ones now saying they're going to bring peace to the world. All right, let's keep going. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said to them, Declare unto us this parable. And then Jesus rebuked them and says, Dude, are you without understanding still? He says, Do not ye... He said, Don't you understand that whatever goes into your mouth comes out, goes through the belly, and then you poop it out. Verse 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from your heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornications, thief or thieving, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, that don't defile a man. Jesus said, listen, you don't know what defiles a man? It's what my father said, the written law. When you commit adultery and you're fornicating, when you're lying and you're cheating and you're stealing, you see what Jesus did? He says, no, these laws, he said, is spiritual. He says, the words I say unto you, they are spiritual. They are spirit and they are life. He said that this is what comes out of you because you're sin. So why did God give us the law? Paul said that the law was given to us to show us our need for God, our sin. Why do we have all of these commandments? Why do we have all the moral law? It's to show you and I that we fell with Adam and we are infected with this disease called sin. 
Paul said, man, when I wanted to do good, when he was a Pharisee, I wanted to do good. In my mind, I served the law of God, but in my flesh, I found another law working. It was the law of sin working in my members to cause me to do what I don't want to do. See, that is why we have the written law to show us that you need God. You are in sin. You're a liar. I've lied. I've stolen. I mean, you go down these laws, I'll be the first one to tell you, I've pretty much committed all of them based upon Jesus' You know, his um, interpretation, Jesus told him, you say that you shouldn't commit adultery. But I say, if you look on a woman. You see what Jesus did? He said, it's your heart. Jesus says, I'm a son of God. I'm going to tell you, you can live above this. This is your school teacher, Paul said. This tells you that you're in sin, but I'm going to show you how to live above that. I'm going to show you how to live this righteousness for real. I'm going to show you that if you just look upon a woman and lust after her, you commit adultery in your heart. Jesus said it's your heart that matters. It's not doing all the outward stuff. For example, outwardly, I don't have to commit adultery. But I could look at every woman come by me. I could look at all of them and think about them. Hey, but as long as I don't do the outward act. Do y'all see what they were teaching? Well, here's what, let's talk about adultery. Here's what you find in the Talmud. It says, you know what? You don't need to commit adultery. You shouldn't commit fornication, illicit sex. But... All of these rabbis, justifying their own sin, said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You know, um, as long as they're under the age of three, you can have sex with the girl. Oh, my goodness. oh yeah. I'm going to have to do a video now to show you all this stuff. But it is all right there in the Talmud. Matter of fact, there's so many justifications. You know what? These Jews, for themselves, this is not for the Gentile. Oh, no. The Gentile, you get your head cut off one act. It's all the same as Sharia Sharia law. I'm about to get to that too. Yeah, go. That's good. All of this. You get your head cut off. You're a Gentile. You're a heathen. Just like Sharia law says. Thank you. You see this? So, so these traditions say, you know what? You don't have to honor your father and mother. You know, you can take that money and give it to us, the rabbis. As long as you're serving and learning under a rabbi, you can just neglect taking care of honoring your father and mother. Also, that if you don't want to commit adultery, listen, you, there's ways around that. You just have sex with the girl before the three. Why? Their justification was is their hymen. You know, I don't want you know, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They're still, it'll heal back if they're under three. It'll heal back, and when they get married, they'll still be a virgin. Jeez. It's all there. This is justifying, so you make void the written word of God. But as long as I'm a Jew, I can get around it because I have a covenant with God, and here's my, as long as I wiggle myself around, and actually justify because of my traditions, my actions. This is why Jesus, when he stood up, when they brought that woman, called in adultery, you know, they didn't bring the man. <laughs> they just brought the woman. And uh, the woman, they throw her down in front of Jesus to stone her. And they're like, here, Jesus, here's a rock. You stone her. Because the law says, he says, oh, you want to get us for, you know, he was, dude, straight up, embarrassing the Pharisees. So the Pharisees said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to find a woman. They probably set it all up too because that's how the Sanhedrin, I'm talking about from history, we can see they will set up chaos and set up to trap Jesus. They probably got this dude. You know what? He, they, they throw this girl down in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, this woman here, and they're like, here, you stone her because the written law says that she caught adultery. Now Jesus already knows the written law. He's saying, you guys are trying to trap me because I know the law. The law says to take the man and the woman and stone them. But you're obviously not keeping the law. You're trying to trap me because you didn't throw the man down here. Right? right? So you know what Jesus does? 
He goes down in the sand, in the dust of the temple or whatever, and right beside that woman, and all these men got stones, he goes right there and writes in the law. He says, okay, you want to have sex with three-year-olds, all right? And you, okay, you justify committing adultery because of your oral tradition. You get away from that because of this. Okay, and then he goes down, freaking writes it all down in front of him and says, all right, now, y'all read that? First one without sin, you throw the first stone. You see what I'm saying? So... Jesus, this whole time, was telling them that you guys have done nothing but make void the Word of God. Now, he says these are things that defile a man. Now, I'm going to skip over to Matthew 22. All right, Matthew 22, verse 15. Boy, Jesus gets in here and he starts talking to these scribes. Whew. Verse 1, it says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude. And to his disciples. Now, I want to let you know that, that, excuse me, the previous chapter, he's talking to the Sadducees now. Okay? Well, Matthew 21, verse 45, it says, The chief priest and the Pharisees heard these parables, and they perceived that he spoke about them. <laughs> it's like, hold up, you're teaching them against me. What? And but when they then it says verse 40, 21, 46. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. All right, you talking about us? We're going to kill you, but all these people think he's a prophet, so let's go back and see how we can covertly get Jesus killed. All right, now you go down to verse 15, the next chapter, 22, 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. All right, I'm trying to kill him, strategize. This is intelligence. This is what the CIA does. It's misinformation, getting people trapped. It's called, you know... What do you call it when you get bribed? You get the blackmail on somebody? Oh, they're trying everything they can to use it legally for the Sanhedrin to kill him. Now, because the Sanhedrin is the supreme court of the day, right? So they go down in verse 16. It says, And then they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians. All right, they every part of the religious and the governmental establishment of that day were trying to get Jesus. Jesus spoke to the corruption of the government and he spoke to the corruption in the organized religion. I'm just, God, I'm reading it right here to you. And then he goes down and but look at verse 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. <laughs> and then look what he says in verse 18, 22, 18, and said, Why tempt ye me, you hypocrites? Why are you trying to trick me, you hypocrites? Oh, they done messed up now. They got Jesus about, he's about to rain down some holy, righteous indignation. And you know what? And then he says, he said, why are you trying to tempt me? So here's what Jesus says, verse 19, 22, 19, Matthew. Show me, show me the tribute money, the tax money. All right, show me the money. Jesus is the first one to say that, okay? So everybody stole it from him. Show me the money. All right, and they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Then he said to him, Well, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. When they heard these words, they marveled, and they left him, and they went their way. Jesus, straight manhandled them. All right, then, verse 23, The same day came to him the Sadducees. I just want you all to see here. Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die and he has children, then his brother shall marry his wife. And they go in all this stuff. Verse 29, Jesus says, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. Again, they're using oral tradition against him. 
Jesus says, you err, you don't even know the word. Straight up in their face. I feel like I say that all the time. Verse 30, For in their resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection, he goes in, in verse 32, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Boom! Verse 33, When the multitude heard this, they were all astonished at his doctrine. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, he shut them up. They were gathered together. Now all of his enemies are unifying. The Pharisees talking to the Sadducees, the Herodians, all of them talking. <laughs> now, how are we going to get rid of Jesus? And then one of them, which was a lawyer, a scribe, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great command in the law? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. They asked him the first, but Jesus gave him two. Okay? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he just told them all the law and the prophets, the written word, everything that they had scrolls of then everything falls under loving God and loving others okay now he goes down here verse 23 now he gets the whole multitude together and says to his disciples the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat all therefore whatsoever they bid you to observe that observe and do but don't do after their works for they say and do not do so he says listen I want y'all to Listen to what they say, and I want you to do it, but I don't want you to follow their actions. But then let's skip down, and they go on, and they say, verse 4, They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. So anyways, he goes and he talks about all these hypocrites, okay? And he goes on down. But here's the one, verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. All right. For you compass sea and land to make one convert. And when he's made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. He said it. He says, you go out here and you make people disciples. Okay? Even then, it is said that what they did, if they were a Jew... To be a convert to their religion, you would adhere, make a commitment to follow all the written law, follow the Torah, okay? A student of the Torah. But if you were a Gentile, they gave you the seven laws of Noah and said, here all these laws fall on you. He says, look, you make them twice. He says, he said, you go sea and land. He's talking about you go all the way out there and find these Gentiles and get them saved. And you make them twice the child of hell that you are. This is what Jesus said about the Noahide laws. Now, at that time, it was just oral traditions, right? It was the traditions of the elders, like they said. But now they've put lipstick and makeup on it and made it pretty for the whole world. Now we find ourselves, the United Nations, the whole world, education, people will call themselves Noahides. And you can go to these different websites, and I'll release those later. But you can go on and they'll tell you. You know, Noahides, do you have to keep the Sabbath like the Jews? Now, do you have to pray like the Jews? I mean, they go and they say the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. So that is pretty much um, what Jesus thought about it. And uh, we could talk more and more. But the end of the day, when it comes to all this, Jesus is the Word. The Jews call themselves the light of the world. 
that they are the royal priesthood. If you go to Peter, it'll say that we are the chosen generation, the church, those who are in Christ. Jesus is the one that fulfilled everything. When we're in Him, He has made all of us because we're in Christ, the chosen generation, the chosen royal priesthood under the order of Melchizedek. We are the royal priesthood. We are the light shining in the darkness. We're the light of the world. We are the ones that are leading the blind. We're supposed to heal the blind. So all of this falls into, when it comes to Jesus and the Noahide laws, for the Noahide week, I hope it's very, very clear. Jesus really, really dealt with this in his day. Jesus, to this day, would still be calling it hypocritical because the same way they did then, they tell everybody what to do, but they themselves don't do it. So the Jews only have their law that applies to them, but they tell the Gentiles to do something else. It's a burden they were not even themselves willing to even try to live, but they put it on the Gentiles. So don't be fooled right now before things get worse. Basically next year is going to just, I don't know that for sure, but I can tell you what we have seen and we're trying to verify the information we receive, right? That they are slowly shutting down and, Next year, we're going to see all of our freedoms basically roll out and be taken away from us. All the way to the first quarter when the vaccine's being released, there are rumors right now about a debt freedom program being released with the Great Reset. Now, the economic forum right now, you can go Google economic forum and then Google this. They say, Google the, their advertising and different countries in the world says you will own nothing. So, but you'll be happy is what it says. They're saying that they have a new great reset. It's a worldwide economy. All right. You will have no debts. All right. But you have to give up actually owning anything. Don't worry about it because the government will own it all. And at their graciousness, you get to live in their house. (laughs) But in reality, on paper, they already own everything. Do you see how this works? Right. Now, they, they actually own everything. You think you own your house. You think you own your property. You don't. Mm-hmm. Don't pay your taxes on your property and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's the deal. You think you own it. And you think you have all these rights with your constitution. But what happens is they can release a pandemic just like that and all of a sudden take your, your rights away. Right? But they do it in such a way that you give away your own rights. So what they're doing is saying, look, right later on, we're going to make a big deal. We got COVID going on for a year and a half. All of you guys are in debt because of this. You're losing your jobs and everything, but I got a solution. When you are so strapped with debt and financial problems, we're going to come in and save the day. We're going to alleviate all your mortgages, all your taxes, all of your student loans, everything. We're going to release it all in debt freedom. And But the problem is, is you know, you got to take the vaccine, okay? You have to, you know... Uh, give up all your ownership, but you know what? There's a lot of good things because now you can have money. The government will pay you, and you'll actually be able. And all this credit, there's a lot of big change. Prince Charles says that it's the last hour. Right now is the last hour. It says the last hour, and right now, the uh, World Economic Forum is the solution. Is what Prince Charles? Okay, that's royalty over there. In England, right? Now listen, that's what they're saying is coming. Now, not only that, you'll have shutdowns starting in the major cities and then in the, in the, later on in the states. And then as it gets 
more worse. All of a sudden, you're going to have travel restrictions and you're going to have different things. The, the rollout of the vaccine comes and you have to make decisions. Do you give in to this great reset? Do you follow suit, give in to compromise? Do you go in and simply do whatever they tell you to do? Give up all the things you own, you know? That's a, yeah, they're going to make it the way it's voluntary, but in reality, you're not going to have a choice. You know what I mean? But later on, when things get so bad, they'll justify martial law and things like that. They will justify being able to make it mandatory. They've already got the laws in place, so everything is mandatory. They can actually do a, uh, there is no religious exemptions. You can't say because you're a Christian, you don't want the vaccine. Because of medical reason, there's no medical exemptions. The general population next year, middle of the year, will be required to have the vaccine. Now, it'll be at first voluntary because, you know, you won't be able to go to work. You know, you can't go to gas stations now without a mask. Imagine then. Yeah. Guys, it's, we're living in the days. Now, if you, you turn to page one more time, verse, chapter Matthew 24, 37, it says, it says Matthew 24, 37, and this is how we'll close this because... It says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came. You see that? They didn't know until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I'll leave it to you this. And then the Apostle Paul talks about it. Jesus talked about it. 2 Corinthians 4, you can read, it says, it says, wake up unto righteousness. He says, we were talking about this yesterday, people are asleep. People are like walking, sleepwalking. They're like zombies, really. They're walking around. Can't even... Man, it's, we can go on a long list of things. But people need to wake up. They can't see this happening because you have to really look into this to find, actually know this. I mean, nobody knows this stuff happened behind the scenes. But it's out there in the open, hiding in plain sight, but it is behind the scenes. The United Nations is out there in the open promoting this everywhere. The World Economic Forum is pro promoting it everywhere. But the things that you see are so controlled. On your phone, you get notifications. The alerts, you get feeds that suggest to you what the things to put before your eyes, what to watch. Guys on TV, the commercials, you know, if you do watch TV still, I mean, you get commercials, you got all your shows, everything is suggested, everything's in front of you. If you drive down the road, all you see is advertising, billboards and signs, on everything is screaming at you loudly. You get advertised way more than you realize every day. The messages they want you to see are everywhere. This is, this is the way of life. So people, unfortunately, will either wake up on their own choosing or they will be forced to wake up. And I really hope people here, you know, I think we're all awake. I think we're seeing. And uh, there is a lot more to this that we can go in traditions. And I feel right now that I... I have put a decent foundation, I believe, as best I could, to show you what the Noahide Laws is and what Jesus' stance on it is, okay? Of course, I'm just teaching today because it's part of our Noahide Week. This is our message we're trying to get out before it's too late. 
we got shut down last time we talked about this. I'm grateful that we are all still on here live. Um, I do want to open it up for some questions and maybe, you know, before everybody leaves and drives home and everything, I'd like to see if there, if it may be a blessing to answer some questions, maybe, you know, um, but I do want to say one point traditions. This is Jewish tradition. Okay. We could draw a big line right here after Jesus. Okay. Cause you have Jesus. Okay. In the gospels. And then you have the cross, okay? And then after, so basically you have, um, well, make that an A, the book of Acts, okay? And then after and Romans and beyond, okay? This is after the cross. So before Jesus in the, in the Gospels, you see Jesus living under the law and you see him teaching those in the law in inside of Israel and he teaches them all and then he fulfills it at the cross okay and then after that you see that the Spirit of God is placed in us and that we now can do the works of Jesus we are fulfilling everything and the Apostle Paul says that the mystery that he was teaching people that he spent 14 years he went and Jesus Christ brought him to heaven and spoke to him about this gospel the things that the Holy Spirit couldn't tell, that Jesus couldn't tell them, that the Holy Spirit would teach them, came through Peter and Paul and taught them that this, the mystery was that the same inheritance was for the Gentiles just like the Jew. That this new man, Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory, was the central message, a new creation. Everyone. So you go to Romans. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all the way through the two-thirds of the New Testament that Paul wrote, you will see he spent a lot of time talking about who Christ is from the beginning, the cross, and after. He spent every time, and a lot of his talks, a lot of his books were correcting problems in the church. People were having sex with their mother-in-laws and stuff, all kinds of crazy crap, you know what I mean? People were, I mean, it was bad. Judaizers were coming, telling the Christians to be circumcised, to follow. Acts chapter 15 is a reference. You can go that Judaizers were coming into Antioch, a, a Gentile church mostly, you know, Jews and Gentiles all together. The first church where they were called Christians, the, Gen, the Gentile. Paul was up there teaching them what God had showed him. And all these Judaizers that said, hey, came up to Antioch and started teaching them, you guys got to follow the law, the law of Moses. You got to get circumcised. You got to keep the law and the feast. Acts chapter 15. And then the whole, then it was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal. And they come down to Acts 15, have a big council. The church, the disciple, the, the apostles at the time, they all get together and have a council and decide and say, right, what are we, how are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do with all this? You know, we got to teach these Gentiles how to live. Y'all should go look that up. Because after the cross is the important thing. And after this, we still have. After, now this is us now, okay? Y'all can see that. And now you have us. We have the word, okay? We have the word. That does not even say word, but whatever. You have the word that Jesus and the apostles, Paul and all the New Testament and everything that we now have, the revelation of who we are in Christ, the New Testament. And then you have preachers. And we have millions and millions and millions and millions of tradition passed down now we don't even have to mention you know 
I mean, Catholicism or Lutheran and all the different traditions. You can go down. We have organized religion. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of denominations that subdivide and teach their own traditions. Now, there's good traditions. Paul said, the traditions I give you, like, you know, uh, taking communion, baptizing and things like this. These, you know, in other words, here's what Jesus said to do, and this is how I do it. This is a tradition. That's where traditions come. It's because back then they cast out demons, they healed the sick, they raised the dead, they cleansed lepers, they baptized people, cast demons out, and got filled with the Holy Spirit. You can go in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19, Paul met some disciples, and they did. They believe what John the Baptist said. They didn't hear about Jesus yet. He showed them Jesus. They got baptized in water, got out of the water. They got saved, confessed their sins, and got baptized. And then he laid his hands on them. They got filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Y'all hear me? That's, a call to, that's, that's what he taught them. He says, what you've seen in me, what you heard me say, and you do that. The God of peace will be with you. That was called discipleship. That was the great commission, preach the gospel, make disciples. That's to, the, the traditions that Paul told them. It says, remember how I did it, do that. That's the good traditions, right? Now, the problem is, is when we take the word of God and we start traditions over here, if y'all can see that, based upon our experiences. When we can't get demons cast out, we'll start making traditions saying and justify why we can't get results. Right. You know, most of the doctrine in the church right now is very clear. It's a doctrine of failure. Well, we can't get the person healed, so this is the reasons why. I bet every one of y'all know a million, not a million, that's a big exaggeration. Y'all know a lot more reasons of why someone don't get healed than you do why they should. Because you grew up, if you grew up in church, you've got so many traditions. Now, I can list off all kinds of traditions right now. One tradition when it comes to healing, for example, is, well, you know, that person has to have faith. All right? So, if I have all of your permission, let's just say, to take 15 to 30 more minutes to answer questions and teach, I just, I just feel like we don't have much time left. In my mind, I feel like i got to get this to you. <laughs> before you came, before I can anymore. Right. If you guys give me permission, I will continue on a little bit of stuff that apply to your life right now. A lot of you don't really, <laughs> you don't have anything. The Jewish traditions don't affect you much, but the Christian traditions, where we have made void the Word of God because of our own traditions, these right here affect you. Now, everyone, right now, before I continue, just know this is supposed to hurt. If you go to a doctor, what do they do? They hit the part that hurts. They want to see your reaction. Oh, ow! Right? So, like a doctor, I'm about to poke around inside your unrenewed mind. The part of you that still has not made Jesus your Lord, it still has not brought down whatever stronghold, the religion that Satan has used, whatever part of you that still is a stronghold, holding you back from the freedom from the simple word of God. Okay, traditions. You ready? Oh, this is going to be good. They will tell you, preachers right now, you know, let's just say one, the person has to have faith. Well, if you don't have faith, you can't get healed. I'm talking about, you know, this, this can go in a few different ways here, but number one, you can't have 
You can't be healed. So if I pray for you right now, let's put this in context. If I lay my hands on you, they preachers right now, because of their failure, will teach you. Now, if I pray for you and I command the sickness to go, if you don't get healed, it's your fault because you don't have faith. Guys, I'm telling you some truth here. Now, did, did anybody Jesus prayed for have faith? All this is good. Now, now you have to define faith, right? Now you have to define faith. Now, first of all, none of them were believers yet until the cross. Y'all hear me? None of them. When, did, when were they believers? When did they get born again is what I'm asking? At the cross. There we go. Now we're going to define. So what was belief? Belief. They came to him. So believing, they believed, and they came to him. But when they came to him, did their faith have anything to do with Jesus giving the life to them? Now, the ones who came to the Bible says that everyone that came to Jesus got healed. Every, the whole multitude reached out to touch him, and he healed them all. For example, how much faith did Lazarus have? Lazarus was dead. So listen to this. He went in. Now people right now will say, well, well, well Jesus couldn't do many miracles or he couldn't, he couldn't heal anyone because of unbelief in Nazareth. Wow, you know, you know how I know this because this is what preachers teach and it's basically the backwards church. Now, I'm hurting people right now. I'm going to stir up every religious thing, mindset, and teaching you've ever had. Listen, listen, it said, now, the problem with this is, is that the only justification, the only thing I can do is actually go through the Bible and read it to you so you see it for yourself. But you're going to you're gonna have to trust me when I quote the scripture that I'm not misquoting, okay? Now, in Nazareth, it says he healed only a few sick people. Now, in Nazareth, he got up on the, sat down in the, in the seat of Moses in the synagogue and said, he read, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath um, you know, anointed me to preach the gospel. He has sent me to heal the sick and to heal the brokenhearted. And He shut the scroll of Isaiah and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Today I'm fulfilling the scripture. He says to proclaim the acceptable year, Lord, the year of Jubilee. I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling this right now, the year of Jubilee. And they got so offended they took Him to the cliff and wanted to throw Him off the cliff. Jesus. But it says right when they went to throw him off, he passed right through them. Now, they were so offended. He says, we know his mother and his brother and his sisters so offended at him that only a few sick people came to him. But it says that every sick people that came to him got healed. You have to go back and read it. Listen, it says a few sick people. He can only heal a few sick people because only a few sick people came to him. And the other place in Capernaum and Galilee, all of these Listen, this is, I'm telling you, I'm killing sacred cows. What does sacred cows mean? You can go to India right now, and there's people starving and dying because they're starving and hungry with a cow walking right by them. They've made that cow sacred, but in Tennessee and Texas and things like that, we will eat a steak. No problem. You know what I mean? Especially grass-fed <clears throat> that are healthy. But y'all see what I'm saying, right? It's hunting season. You can shoot deer and have deer meat, and it's delicious. 
But what if the deer were sacred to us? We'd all be starving on us. <laughs> so here's the deal. A sacred cow is something that can help. You know, it's something that you hang on to that's keeping you, starving you and keeping you from plain truth. Now, Nazareth, well, he had unbelief. Now, the unbelief kept them from coming to him. There's not one place in the scripture. Now, I'm about to, I'm going to build my case here. There's not one place in the New Testament that Jesus went around in the Gospels. Not one place did it say that someone came to him, they didn't get healed. Let's establish this fact. Every person that came to him got healed. Not one person did Jesus tell them, all right, listen closely. Not one place did he say, because you don't have faith, you don't get healed. Now, everyone that came up to him, he says, what do you want? He says, well, I want to receive my sight. Well, according to your faith, be it unto you. You had faith and courage. The word back then was courage. To come to me, despite everyone screaming at you, shut up. Right. You're being too loud. Jesus is trying to talk, and you're over here saying, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm blind. I want to be healed. They were telling him to be quiet. They pressed in because of their faith and got to him. And he says, according to your faith, hey, you, what do you want? He asked him, what do you want? Well, be, receive. Jesus told his disciples when he taught them to heal, freely you received, freely give. Okay? Not one place did you say, well, you don't have faith. Not one time. Why do we teach the doctrine that if you don't have faith when you come to Jesus, or in other words, nowadays, Jesus is in us. If he comes to a preacher or a man of God or any one of us believers, when they come to you, why do we not do what Jesus did and say, well, what do you want? Healing? Okay, well, be healed in the name of Jesus. He is our example. Now, we have to grow up into that. You know, Right now, you've got to get rid of a lot of traditions. And the only, only hindrance to someone getting healed is the hindrance you believe. Wow. Because Jesus healed every single person that came to him. Right. Over and over, the whole multitude, re they came to touch him and every one of them, he healed them all. It says he preached the gospel of the kingdom, he taught in the synagogues, and he healed every manner of sickness and disease among the people. Every means every, all means all. Not one person that came to Jesus didn't get healed. And we look in the book of Acts when Peter, you know, when the revival was coming, the disciples, guess what happened? And then, oh my goodness, even the disciples, it says they healed them all. Traditions, guys. This is what happens when you have traditions. Now, faith. Now, to raise the dead, the dead people don't have faith. Right? So, Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. Now, here's my last point on this one. Remember Matthew 17. Jesus comes to Mount Transfiguration. He comes down. You have three disciples with Jesus. He comes down, and the rest of the disciples, the, the other seven, are down here healing the sick while they're up there. Okay, That's what the disciples did. He blessed them. He basically gave them and said, Hey, y'all, here's power. Y'all go heal every manner of sickness and disease. When they went in the mountain, the whole multitude was down there. They healed the sick. Even And here's another sacred cow. Even Judas healed the sick. Ooh. Judas. Judas was stealing money from the purse. And he was healing the sick. Hmm. So you don't have to be living holy to heal the sick. Because remember Jesus says, not many that say, Lord, Lord, won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. They were saying, we were healing the sick, Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. You were living iniquity. Yeah, you were doing things in my name, but you were living iniquity. You're going to hell. So you can heal the sick, do the works of Jesus in his name. Remember they said, Jesus, we saw a man coming. A man, a man was out there healing the sick, casting out devils in your name, but we told him to stop because he's not following us. Traditions of men. Right here. You got to 
come to church, you got to get discipled for many years, you got to do this and this, and you got then, then we're going to ordain you, and then you can go out, and then even then, you're, we're going to make you twice the child of hell we are. So you don't even heal the sick, <laughs> cast out devil, you won't even do anything Jesus did. You're going to look and act basically the opposite of what Jesus told you to do because you've yeah. now learned the ways of the church. Right. You see? But yeah. Jesus said, whoa, whoa, whoa. If he's not, if he's not, if he's gathering, He's not, if he's not gathering, he's scattering. Nobody can do works in my name lightly and talk lightly of me or speak evil of me. Jesus said, don't turn them away. Remember the sons of Sceva and Acts? They tried to go cast out demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Like, well, obviously people were getting results casting you know, demons out. But they got beat up by the demon. They said, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And they got beat up. So in other words... People came to him, and he says, according to your faith, a Gentile came to him, a, a Roman centurion came to him, and said, listen, Jesus, hey, oh, look, I don't need you to go to my house. You can just speak it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man of authority. I tell my soldiers to do this, they do it. I tell everything I'd say, they, they do it. Just, tell, just speak the word, and my child will be healed. See, that's faith. He understood enough and came to Jesus and said, listen, Jesus, you ain't got to walk all the way over to my house across Israel. <laughs> just speak the word, they'll be healed. See, he says, wow, I've never seen great faith like this even in Israel. And then he gave a point. He said, you know, back with Elijah, he says, there was many lepers in Israel. But the only lepers that got healed in Elijah's day was a Gentile. The lady that got, the, the, the leper, Naaman or whatever his name was, they got healed. And he made a point. A prophet's not without honor in his own country. That's why he went to Nazareth. He told Nazareth, he said, listen, there was a lot of lepers in Israel back when Elijah was here who you all think is great. And none of them in Israel got healed, but only a Gentile leper got healed. Jesus was a beast, man. He straight up got him. Now, faith, does it take? Now, I can have faith for you. Ooh. Wow, Jesus. Who's the only one? In a, in a, in a scenario, you have Jesus. Here you go. And mom, while you was gone, I asked everybody, you know, since we don't have much time left these days, you know, if we could take more time. And everybody kind of was like, you know what? And yeah, y'all free to go anytime you want. You know what I mean? And I told them we're talking about sacred cows. We're going to hurt people's feelings today, okay? Because things you have, we're going. This is going to hurt. So we'll get eight mail. Huh? Oh, this is going to be good. But <laughs> we've already been getting everything mail. here. I can sit here and go to scripture. So here you have Jesus, and here you have the the sick lady. Okay, she's crawling through the crowd to get to Jesus, to touch the prayer shawl, touch the hem of his oh. garment, right? And then you have all the disciples, right? They're all standing over here, all 12 of them, you know, and the crowd is all around them pressing in. You'll have preachers preach that, hey, uh, you know, you can identify yourself with people in this crowd. You could be in the crowd. You could be one of the disciples. Or you could be this lady and you could press in and get a hold of Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. By the way, naturally, you cannot do that anymore. Which one of these can you identify with now? After the cross. Jesus. Yes. Way to go, Mama. You'll sit here and hear preachers identify the disciples. The disciples weren't born again yet. Until John 21, when he breathed life into them, breathed the Spirit into them, because he was resurrected from the dead. They were the first ones to hear that he was resurrected from the dead. He blew the Spirit on them because they were the first ones to believe. They got born again, John 21, after he rose from the dead. Forty days after he died, the Holy Spirit came down the day of Pentecost. That's when the church was born, and that was when the Spirit of God came in, then they were born again. They're called believers. It says, These shall them that believe.
Sure, they'll cast out. So pick up a serpent and it won't harm them. Paul picked up a serpent, got bit by the serpent, shook the serpent off. There's a fulfillment. You know, drink a deadly thing or a disease, a vaccine, you get poisoned. He's saying in Christ you have promises of divine protection, healing. You can give that away as well. Okay? Now, here we go. The only one that you can identify with wholly is the one who had the Spirit of God living in him. Who was a son of God. You are a son of God now. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Y'all see what I'm saying? The disciples, there's things you can learn from them, but they were unbelievers and they were unbelievers. And I'm talking about they were not born again yet. Nobody Jesus prayed for was a believer yet. So everybody had unbelief. Wow. So how much unbelief you got to have to get healed? Well, Jesus healed everyone that were still in unbelief. Then when they got saved, born again, they were believers. So how much faith you got to have, right? How about this? Here's a good one. Now, I, you know, this is obviously... That goes against everything we've all been taught. And all of us that are from NARC, that goes totally opposite of what NARC teaches. So people will say... They'll go up on a prayer line and people will come up and people won't get healed. And then this is where you get traditions right here in the church saying, well, people didn't get healed because of... Now, open discussion. What are the reasons? Now, I'm about to say another one here. There's a lot of them, but faith. Well, you got to have faith. And then preachers will say, well, there's got to be an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Right? The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. <laughs> How many atmospheres did Jesus have? Did Jesus have any atmospheres? I mean, he was out there in the mountain, you know, with donkey poop. People pooping. Guys, in the mountain, in the desert, where'd they poop at? I'm just saying. If you were in the church right now and you pooped and peed and stunk up the house, they would say this atmosphere is not suitable for the Spirit of God to heal anybody. They would tell everybody to get out and they'd clean it up. Come back in. Now it's vacuumed. Okay. Smoke machines, lighting, worship. People think that God can't do miracles until you've got an atmosphere together. Think about it. How many songs do most people now have to sing before everybody feels like it's now it's time to now it's time to minister? Y'all come up here and come get it. It's here. It. Come on, guys. It. The anointing. Oh, my, the anointing is a big one. That's a big. The anointing. The anointing. This person is anointed. Well. Let's talk about atmosphere. I hope I don't have to go in much. Jesus didn't have an atmosphere. Matter of fact, he healed everywhere. I mean, dude, the disciples just cut a guy's ear off when they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he heals the ear while he's being arrested. You tell me that's an atmosphere. Right. <laughs> that's right. I'm just saying, guys, now I'm just saying, does, does it, did Jesus ever have a shofar at every one of his on the side of a hill? Listen, when they were too busy and he went out and floated in a boat, did they have shofars blowing before he healed? <laughs> All right, guys, these are traditions. I mean, here, what are traditions? Traditions are things that are not actually said that it has to be there in order for the Word of God to be fulfilled, to happen. That's right. The problem is, is that people get so sacred with these because they've taught it and their, their reputation's on the line and because they've believed it and they've lived it. And guess what? You will get results even with these traditions. You can have a formula on how to get people healed and get results. 
because Jesus, <laughs> Jesus wants to heal everybody. And even with all of your messed up traditions, people still get healed. Not as much. You'll have a very, very low success rate. But every now and then when someone does get healed, now, can you get healed, uh, healed by your own faith? Yes. But listen, John chapter, uh, James, the book of James, which is a, a book written to baby Christians. It was like the, uh, the foundation thing that James, the, the James, the head of the church, wrote to everybody. Okay, to all the, everyone out there, all the churches. And he told them, look, if you're sick, ask the elders of the church to come. The prayer of faith will heal you. He didn't say, hey, if you're sick, you work on your faith. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. You better get in there and listen to tapes after tape after tape after tape of hearing the word of God, hearing the word of God, and then eventually your faith will get to a point where you'll be healed. No, he said, you're a baby Christian. We get it. You don't understand yet that you can walk in divine health. We get that. So the elders of the church who are mature in Christ, in Jesus, will come over there and the prayer of faith will heal you. And if you have any sin, it will be forgiven you. Boy, you don't teach that in church. Right. Now, I know I'm quoting stuff, guys, but we can simply go read it, okay? But we don't have that much time. I'm going to try to skim through this. But here's the deal. Why didn't he say, you know, you got to have faith to get healed? But he said the prayer of faith. That when the elders come around you and pray for you, they're going to pray faith and get you healed. It's their faith that heals you, not your own. Now, can you get healed by your own faith? Absolutely. Matter of fact, when you're in Christ, He bore your sickness and your disease. By His stripes, you were healed. And you don't have to accept sickness and disease in your life anymore. But sometimes, because we're taught so much that you deal with it. You just say, no, I'm with this and this and that. For example, like me, I'm still believing for my own healings. Like my eyes, you know? I still, every day, I'm, I'm standing on my eyes being healed and not having to wear glasses anymore. Right? But here's the deal. Every one of us are struggling. Every one of us are seeking God. We're growing and maturing. I want my eyes to be completely healed, especially when everything goes down to kaputs. I'm not going to have glasses eventually, you know what I mean? No contacts anymore, so my eyes are going to be healed. At some point, I know when I, at some point, my eyes will be healed, and I'll be up here telling you, my eyes are healed, yay. So <laughs> all I'm saying is, is faith, yes, you can get healed by your own faith, but after the cross, before the cross, everybody was unbelievers. But after the cross, now you're a believer. Believers lay hands on the sick and recover. Why don't you lay hands on your sick and you'll recover? If you're sick, lay hands on yourself. And you'll recover. You're a believer now. And Christ is in you. The healer, Jehovah Rapha, is in you. There's no reason why sickness and disease should be dealing, you know, in your body. Now, atmosphere. Do you have to have an atmosphere? No. I could be in the streets. He said, go into all the world, go on the streets. You know, is there an atmosphere in the streets? No, bad atmosphere, actually. Right. right? So atmosphere, we can X that out. That's another tradition. Here's another one. Actually, I'm going to open it up. Anybody have things? Let's just talk about healing. I'm just saying healing or... you got to go back and forgive your grandpa. Oh, the roots. Here we go. you got to get to the root. There's a spiritual root. That's the reason why your back pain is there because you got bitterness. Now, first of all, did Jesus ever do that? Now, Jesus came down from that mountain. No, oh, I forgot to finish that. He came down from the mountain. Here's the disciples casting out demons. And a dad of a young boy comes and says, Jesus, Jesus, I tried to get my son healed from your disciples, but they couldn't get him healed. They couldn't cast the demon out. And Jesus was like, oh, ye of little faith. He rebuked his disciples. He says, how long am I going to be with you and you can't get this boy healed? Come on, right? 
He was disturbed. He said, you faithless and perverse. He rebuked his disciples in front of the whole multitude. Now, it says that when he came down, the disciples were debating with scribes. The, those scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, they were down there debating with them. Talk about, well, you can't heal this and this. See, that's what happens when you get in these debates of reasons why you can't do it. You get in, that's where unbelief, the unbelief of the person ministering. You see, Jesus, they said, hey, Jesus healed the kid, right? And then later on, they came to him and said, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we heal him? Why couldn't we get the boy healed? And Jesus told them, because of your unbelief. So if Jesus gave the reason of why a minister, a disciple, any believer could not get someone healed. The only one given in the scripture. I'm talking about the written word of God. I'm talking about what Jesus said, not what the preachers out there have given excuses. That's called traditions, sacred cows. Jesus only said because your unbelief. He says, if you say to this mountain be removed, it'll be cast into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart, nothing is impossible to you. You tell the sycamore tree to be plucked up and to be cast into the sea, it will obey you. Nothing is impossible to you. He said, it's your unbelief. And he says, you know, how be it this type goes out not by prayer and fasting. In other words, not that you have to pray and fast. That's another sacred cow. Well, oh, you're sick. Oh, I need to pray and fast for three days before I can get you healed. No, if you go back and look at that, Jesus says your unbelief. Well, how do you get rid of your unbelief? Well, it's dying to yourself, fasting and praying. You have to get yourself to, you have to deny and yourself, die to yourself, renew your mind to say what His Word of God and believe and act on the Word only and not get into the tradition. Here's what happens. You'll get around preachers and you'll hear all these things and next thing you know, you won't be praying for anybody to get healed because, <laughs> and then here's another one. Um, you got to find the root. Okay, well, I don't know what the root is yet. Well, how am I going to pray for them because I don't know the root? Did Jesus ever find the root in somebody? No, he didn't. Jesus asked him, how long? Now, that boy, he came down the mountain. He did ask him a question. He said, how long has this boy been suffering with this? You know, I can see Jesus right now looking. He just rebuked the disciples. He said, all right, how long am I going to be with you? You can't get this boy healed. He said, all right, listen to this. Guys, I want this to sit really deep in you. Listen to me, disciples. How, Father, how long has this boy dealt with this? Since he was a cow, he was a kid, he throws him in the fire and he tries to kill him. You see this, disciples? That's why you got to have your unbelief in check. That's why you got to fast and pray and get yourself out of unbelief and walk in faith. That's why you got to be able to be ready in season and out to cast out devils, to preach the word of God. This is why, because this boy from a, you know, from a kid has been suffering with this and you can't get him healed. And he says, now be healed, cast it out. And then he went and rebuked the disciples more and taught them about their unbelief. Now, so a root, did Jesus ever do it? Then why do we do it? Now, if you start talking about the root, okay, I, you know, I'm just, this is just practical stuff, healing the sick. Now, I don't want to go too long here. You know what I mean? But basically, if you go in and say, I command the, the root of this thing to go, well, Satan's like, all right, well, that's just that. What about this? You start getting legal, the devil is legalistic. He will, listen, like, well, I command all the pain to leave in this foot. I command every bone and every, everything. You get in all this stuff. Jesus said, be healed. He kept it simple. Everything under that is generalized. You don't have to go in while well, I command this. I'll, I'll find this. and I, Let's do an application. Okay? And let's find out every sin you've done in your life. Right. And let's go into inner healing all the way up until the point you get healed. Now, that's not what Jesus did. And why do we do it? It's because of traditions, guys. I hope I'm making a point. Now, let's just say there's one question out here that these guys have. 
So if I pray for someone and they don't get healed, would they get mad at me? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But here's what I can say. I pray for a lot of people, and a lot of them did get healed. I pray for a lot that did get healed. But I can tell you right now, Jesus did not say that the only responsibility that he put in the Word, and I'm not trying to put anything out there other than what Jesus said. He says unbelief. I can tell you there's some things I can pray for now to get healed, and I have a good success rate. That In the past, my unbelief kept me from getting results in that area. But now I get good results in that area. So, question. Uh, Liz, will you pray? I'm just going to tell them all and you can pray for them all. Liz, uh, pray for her father who's ill. Uh, for us, me and Laura, we have a family member that, uh, and you brought, that's going to the doctor because they think they got a strep throat and they're worried about COVID uh, and stuff. This mess. And then Zilrin says that uh, ask us to pray for a boy named Josh Kohler, Josh Kohler, who has aortic dissection, and they've lost him once and they brought him back. And then the lady from Israel uh, wants us to pray for her, please, because she's okay. surrounded by a bunch of Pharisees. Yeah, it's hard in Israel yeah, being a Christian. Yeah, man, but some people say you can't minister healing until you're led by the Spirit. You know what I mean? Jesus said, the Bible says literally that he was moved by compassion. So it never says he was led by the Spirit to heal. It says he was moved by compassion. So when you, one thing I'll leave with this, Jesus operated not in a greater measure of the Spirit. The Bible says you operate in the fullness of the Spirit. You guys don't get measures of the Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit, yes, the same right. Holy Spirit. You got the Spirit. The only measure, quote-unquote, that you operating is the part, is to the degree you've renewed your minds. Okay? The more Word of God that you get in there and decide to obey is the measure of grace and power you're going to walk in. So it's not so much that a power is going to come out. This is a big question. Let's worship and let's worship. Let's, let's, come on, guys, let's pray because God's going to show up in here. And a new wine is coming. All right, there's a new anointing coming. That's nowhere in the Bible. No, he, he, every one of us was given the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, feel the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, the person. You don't get different measures of a person. Do you get different measures of your wife? No, you get the person in your marriage. Now, the only measure is, is how much time y'all decide to spend together and share your experiences and your time and to renew your mind to do what your wife wants and your mind. Y'all mess your lives together. That's called renewing your mind, technically, of becoming more and more one in everything you do. That's our relationship. Paul called it a marriage. So, listen, it all boils down to you seeing what he did, your example, and what his word teaches, and you renewing your mind to doing what his word says. The only thing I, it's hard to talk about these things is, is not actually sitting here going through the scripture and read it for you to let you see it. Like, listen, you see what's it say? It means what it says. <laughs> you know, and actually showing you one thing after another of what I'm, the things I'm mentioning, because these things get people all stirred up, you know especially religious devils and stuff, get all, you know. But the problem is, is if you don't get in and actually read the Word and show them, sometimes they'll be like, well, whatever, that, don't, that doesn't match what I've been taught, so therefore it's not right. A few things. The Word of God is the final authority. 
Okay, not your traditions, not what your preacher said, not what the TBN preacher said. Speaking of that, you know, give me money and you'll get healed. Sow your seed. Sow your seed. That is not scriptural. That's a hoax. That's called scamming people. That's called trickery and guile. Yeah, sowing a seed and you get hit. Now listen, I can go into that. That's another thing that gets people. <laughs> All of us have done it. Sowed it for this. And you write on the envelope, this is the miracle I'm, I'm going to sow. You know, why do they say, hey, sow a miracle to the poor people in your street? Why do they say you have to give my ministry though? Why couldn't they say sow a seed and give it to your mother? And go honor your father and mother. Go serve them. Go go find some orphans and sow that seed and you'll get a miracle. Anyone say that? Mm-hmm. I never heard him say that. No. <laughs> I thought you were talking about preachers. Yeah, preachers never have said that. They say sow the seed on the phone, phone number at the bottom of the screen and call in, support our ministry, because if you do, there's miracles. Your healing, your greatest breakthrough, your new anointing's coming, your new wine is coming, your new blah, blah, blah. They never tell you. I have never in my life. All right, here we go. This is, here's a person saying they're confused. I'm confused. First you said the pastor says you cannot be healed because you don't have faith. Then you said we need to fast and pray to have faith to be healed. Sorry. Okay, Lisa. Now, okay, so what I was saying is, is people say that they have to fast and pray before they can muster up enough faith to go minister healing to somebody. So... The person, there's two people, the person receiving healing and the person giving, freely giving what they've received, the life of God, the Spirit of God, healing to somebody. Jesus said the reason why they couldn't get somebody else healed is because of their own unbelief. Because if you speak to the mountain, command it to, to be removed, it will obey you. Nothing is impossible. You can speak to the tree or the mountain. He used as an example when he cursed the fig tree. They said, wow, the fig tree is done. He says, yeah, if you have faith in God, whatever you say to a mountain, be removed, it'll be done. So he's telling them, just command the sickness or disease to go, and it will obey you. Okay? He says, and Jesus said, the reason why you're doing it is because you don't have that faith in you. The giver of the healing needs to have faith in God. So if you don't, it's unbelief is what Jesus said. That's the only thing in the Bible that accredits why you can't get someone, you know, the, the giver of the healing is unbelief. Why can't we get the kid healed? As Jesus said, because of your unbelief. If you fast and pray, you will die to yourself and get yourself out of the way. Now, I got onions at home. If I cut that old onion, everything inside starts to make me cry. It's just thick, you know, and it makes you cry. But it'll sit there. If it stays just like it is, I can... Not one thing makes me cry, but it's when I start peeling away the layers that's what's inside that onion comes out. Okay? If you don't do what Paul said, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you know, metamorphososo, like a butterfly, that little caterpillar has within it a butterfly. It has to go through a metamorphosis. It has to be a transforming by the renewing of the mind, for us in this case. What's inside has to come out. And you, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ, the same one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and acts the same Jesus is in you and what's in you has to get out so you have to die to yourself get rid of your selfishness and start serving and loving and go out and start praying for others get your faith muscle growing now you don't need more faith I don't need more muscles I've got all my muscles in my body but when I exercise and I start lifting weights my muscle grows I don't get more muscles in other words, you don't get something you don't already 
have. So the preachers out there and the songs they sing and the preaching, most of our doctrine in this church that's backwards is that you have to seek God to get something that you don't already have. Do y'all follow me? A new anointing. You know, you keep praying. There's a revival coming. There's a new anointing coming for revival. That new anointing is something you don't already have. So keep seeking Him. And when you receive that anointing, then you'll all of a sudden be obedient and go do what Jesus told you to do. That's where it's backwards. And you know, a lot of them don't mean to do that. It's just a false doctrine. It's a bad doctrine that's permeated like yeast into the church that you have to have an encounter with God before you can actually go do something for Him. You've got to have an experience. You've got to have this amazing Benny Hinn experience where the Spirit of God feels light in your room and all of a sudden now you'll have Benny Hinn anointing. That's not the truth, God. The truth is, is the more you obey, the more I go lift weights, the stronger I get. If you want to go heal the sick, go out and start practicing and watch. What's in you starts to come out. And then your body tells you, let's keep sleeping. Let's not go out and do anything. Let's don't be obedient. I want to be relaxed and be lazy. Well, when you do that, guess what happens? That's something in you that needs to be peeled away. <laughs> and then when you actually deny yourself that and fast and pray and deny yourself and start being obedient, guess what? You just metamorphosize more and let more of what's in you come out. The more you go love the orphan, go love the widow, go serve your neighbor, love your neighbor, and how about this? Give self-control to one another, give love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. All of that is every day. There's no law in this Bible that is against you giving love and joy and peace and patience. Matter of fact, you're encouraged to go give it as much as you can. And the more you do, the more you die to yourself. The more you fast, the more you die to yourself. The more you love God and pray, the more you love others and go serve and do things and do good works, the more you die to yourself. Because why? You're not thinking about yourself anymore. You're thinking outward. That's right. Amen. And then you die to yourself. Okay. So that's how that works. So unbelief is everything that you're doing that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Okay? Now, that's the stronghold that you have to pull down and bring it into obedience. When you bring that down and walk in obedience, your disobedience was the unbelief that you put away. Okay? So now that when you're being obedient, you're walking in faith. Whatever's not a faith is sin. All right. I know I kept y'all long. Let's pray. And there's a whole lot of things we can go in this, but it's a long thing. But All right. I'm just going to pray and let the Lord do it. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Thank you for the time, Lord God, that we had to just discuss the Word of God. I know that people are just so full they can't even <laughs> I know it's been overflowing today Lord and I just pray that people Lord God will be able to go and digest what has been said today I pray Holy Spirit that you open the eyes of their understanding let it, their eyes be enlightened I pray Lord God that you would teach them and show them what you have given them who they are and I pray that they would exercise and not be a hearer only but a doer I pray, Lord God, that your gospel will go forth, that people will be saved, that people's eyes will be opened, that people wake up. Now, I'm speaking right now to everyone out there that is sick, okay? We're going to minister healing to people, okay? Just because we're talking about it. Now, there's people that we minister to. There's people here that need healing. Anyone here that's less local needs healing, has pain in your body, we'll minister to you and we'll do it live and so people can see someone get healed. But right now, I speak to the people listening right now. All these people right now that have ministered, that I think someone said their back was pain right now. I speak to your back right now. Take your hands, Zilberman and whoever it was, put it on your back. In the name of Jesus, I speak to your body right now. I command you right now, be healed now in the name of Jesus. I command all pain to go and I command that back to be healed now in Jesus' name. Every other sickness and disease listening to me right now, I'm speaking to you now. 
in the name of Jesus. Sickness and disease, you go now in Jesus' name. Every sickness, you leave now. I command every spirit that's not of God right now, every demonic spirit, you go now in Jesus' name. Come out. I speak freedom over these people right now in the name of Jesus. They are healed. They are delivered by his stripes. They were healed. And I command them to receive it now in Jesus' name. Be healed now in Jesus' name. And I command every mind, listen to me right now, to wake up. I command every ears to open, eyes to open. I command minds and everything to be free now from depression. I command right now all, all sickness of the mind, mental health, you be healed now in the name of Jesus. And every single bondage, every religious mindset, I pray, Father God, that you would open people's eyes to truth, the written word of God, to open their eyes to what Jesus did and not to tradition in the name of Jesus, that you would free them from the traditions, free them from teachings that that are keeping them in bondage and complicate your simple truth in the name of Jesus. Now, anybody here that's local, you know, here that needs some healing, needs pain in their body, we'll go ahead and minister and if you do, now just listen, right now is your chance. If you don't get it, you'll never get it. I'm just kidding. That is a tradition. You can get healing anytime. We can turn the camera off and you get healing no matter. All right. Um, guys, you're welcome. Thank all of you for joining. Um, I know I covered a lot of stuff. I pray that Tell you... Tune in the rest of the week to the Noah High Week, Monday through Wednesday. Yes. Everyone was an aneurysm in my brain. Here we go. Let's pray for Alicia. All right. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Alicia, I speak to your brain right now. I command right now, brain, you be healed now. I command Alicia to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. All pain, you go from her now. I command that to leave now. Full healing. I speak a new brain right now in Jesus' name. All right, Alicia. Her name is Kathy. Kathy, right now in the name of Jesus, I speak to your body. Body, you hear the word of the Lord. You be healed now in Jesus' name. All pain leave her body. I command everything to line up to the word of God and to be whole now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Everything, be healed. I thank you for a good report that the word of God is true and the doctor, that all the doctors be a lie in Jesus' name. Well, basically, I did pray for all these already, so I don't have to pray. I don't want you guys to think I have to pray individually for every one of them, okay? So you just have to receive. Yeah, we agree, and we pray, and we spoke in general, okay? That's another tradition. you got to pray every single thing, you know what I mean? But guys, we love you guys, okay? And um, stay tuned. All week, we're going to be discussing, and then everything I talked about, I'm going to try to get back on and make sure there is... All of it broken down line by line, and the proof is there, okay? We love you guys, and uh, I think we're done. Thank you. All right, love you guys. Y'all be good. Be blessed. Thank you. Treehouse Publishers presents Author and White House Correspondent Dr. June Knight Has published 10 books As she traveled the country in obedience to God-serving ministries Her books are about the Bride of Christ, preparing the church for the end of days, persecution, purity, and spiritual warfare. She even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride Jesus is the True Husband. 
her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. Dr. June released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation days and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. She explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions, exposes the one world religion agenda, Dr. June exposes the new world order and satanic agenda, this book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment where do we go from here? How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American Quad books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. June's books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book please go to treehousepublishers.com. Thank you.